This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with two full-blown kids. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a toddler. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, I am not a vending machine. Plus, Biz shares some science. Teresa is all signed up for camp. And we welcome back Lisa Kenny of Gender Spectrum. Woo! Guys, despite shows having come out, uh, this is my first time seeing Teresa in a long time. Weeks. Weeks. Yeah. And it's, I mean, she and I both like walked into the studio and just proceeded to vomit yeah. experiences yeah. on each other. Yes. But <laughs> before we get into that, we have a big announcement. Yes. Are you ready for this? Boston. Boston. We are coming. Oh, yeah. You requested. Mm-hmm. And September 14th, we will be at City Space in Boston. Doors open at 7. Show starts at 8. You can go to OneBadMotherPodcast.com right now. Click on live shows and get your tickets. And Boston, look, we know East Coast. You're all close together. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just Boston. Yeah. Let's, everybody, come Everybody on. gather in Boston. We are please. getting a space yeah. that can hold all of you. Yeah. So come on. Yes. Bring it. I'm so excited. Even more exciting. Mm-hmm. How are you, Teresa? Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin in yeah. a way because there's mm, so, so much. much. It's so much. It's way too much. So... My kids have been off from school for weeks. Camp mom. Camp mom. I've had Gracie off for about a month. I've had Oscar off for about three weeks. And I had Frankie off for one week. So we had a couple weeks of two kids off and one week of all three kids off. And it's been okay. It's been a little crazy, but it's been fine. The kids have been really good. I've not been as good as the kids have been. (laughs) Um, but that's it's hard story. being director of Camp Mom. It is. It's hard being camp director. So today started the first day of Grace and Oscar going both to like half day camps. Right. Which they'll be doing this all this month. And Curtis is back at school. So this morning was my first opportunity to get to drop Oscar off at his new camp that he's <laughs> at a place that he's never been to. Mm. Where he has a friend who's going to be going to. But... It just reinforced all the reasons why I didn't want to do camp this summer. It's going to be fine. It'll be totally fine. But, like, I got there early so I could get give him time to adjust and get right. comfortable and, like, separate from me. That time got swallowed up immediately. And then as I'm getting ready to go, the, like, director of the program is like, let me just make sure I have everything we need. And I was like, okay, I yeah. kind of need to go now, but all right. And he's like, so would it be under another name? What? And would he, would Oscar be registered under another name? And of course, like, I my other kids, sure, sometimes yeah. have gone by other names. <laughs> but, Oscar. but Oscar is always Oscar. <laughs> like, there's no way. <laughs> like, Oscar is Oscar, period. Right. He's always Oscar. So I was like, no, he's it would be it would under be Oscar. Oscar. And I shit you not... This man says to me, well, we don't have an Oscar on the list for today, and we're full for today. Oh, my so, God. And oh I'm, my. I'm, I'm about to die. Yeah. I'm about to just die because 
I've been on Camp Mom for a month. Yeah. And I have to get to work. Yeah. And I have this like low grade anxiety or middle grade anxiety <laughs> that's just running at all times. Yeah. And somebody saying those words to yeah. me after all the planning that I've done, having everything ready, trying to figure it like literally I was just like what? and of course what it turned out to be is that it shows up under my name because I of registered course. him and I and I was like oh yeah that's that's me and he's like don't worry that happens to everyone the first time so you should have you should have said that you should have said that I you should have led with I that literally it was like he said that happened. he said <gasps> every single person ha- does that so, the first time so I, 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 you should have started yes. with it's what's your name? Because this it's happens every time. Name. Oh my god. Oh my god. Literally, I wanted to walk off a cliff. Like I was <laughs> like, what? What are we doing here? Why did we what have to are do we this? Doing here? Who's on first? What's on second? <laughs> Oscar's on third, and he's right here. I mean, or why not be like, what's your last what's, name? Yes. There's or like just what's there's so, so many, many other, other ways. ways besides telling a mom. It's like a joke. It's like some sort of fucked up joke that the counselors and stuff yes. all get together and go let's pick yes. a mom and let's fuck with her today <laughs> by saying I don't think there's a that is a cruel yet like because there are crueler jokes that can sure. be played but in the realm of like Reasonable, like reasonable cruel, jokes. cruel things that could happen <laughs> yes you're just not on the list and there's no re- oh oh my god I know that's Truly unbelievable. I know. So that's it. I don't know. Are you relaxed? Then I, right, exactly. (laughs) What I was thinking is like, oh, he doesn't understand what is going on in my body. Like, he doesn't understand what I'm arriving with today. Like, where I'm at psychologically. Like, he doesn't know. Like, if I was, if if I, like, possibly if I was, like, okay, that would not have been a big deal. I would have, like, not freaked out before react. Like, I would have just. Did you cry? Because I would have started crying right then. I mean, I just, I, 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 so then I got in the car and I drove as fast as I could to be here on time. And here I am. There you are. And pretty soon, let me check my watch. It's going to be time to rush back there and pick everyone up. And guess what I'm going to hear when I pick them up? What? I did. This was not. Wait, I don't. I don't want to go back. I I don't think I'm going to go back tomorrow. I don't don't think you have a choice in the matter. (laughs) I mean, wow. I'm not looking forward to that. Wow. That's all. Summer. Summer. A time when nothing (laughs) is regular. All right. Like, there's just no way to. I'm like, because we did all this traveling and like have been doing random stuff and like it's all been different. Yeah. Like almost every day, right. and there's no consistency. And yeah. I literally was like, "Okay, all right, we're not doing anything yeah. for like the next month, maybe." Uh-huh. So can I schedule us to do something? Like how? Uh-huh. Anyway, whatever. Right. Fuck it. Yeah, this is my it. this is my fun thing. Yeah, we have so much we could say. Buckle up. Could be a long show. Except <laughs> Teresa's got to go pick up her kids. <laughs> um, and and it's late getting here. So. We're yeah. like, so uh, <laughs> So, oh, we could talk about so much. But what instead I've decided to talk about is a science fact. Okay. It's more like a science theory. I guess this would fall under theories. Theories. Okay. okay? And you guys know how pro-science we are on the show. Uh, Everything we talk about is clearly backed up with more science. 
I just want to be clear <laughs> that we are actually, actually pro-science. Yes, we are. But <laughs> when we say everything that we say is backed up with science, that's not necessarily true. Yeah. That's a little bit of a joke. The science part should be looked at when we have a guest who comes yeah. on. We like science. We yeah. are not science. We are not science. <laughs> what I'm about to say is probably not in a textbook somewhere, and yeah. that will become abundantly clear soon. Yeah. Why is she even saying science? <laughs> okay. Let's say I buy something from the grocery store, like a thing of tomatoes, of cherry tomatoes, like a okay. tub. I don't want to yeah. say tub, so I'm going to say a container. thing. Yeah, you all know. Yeah. Like a little plastic container yeah. full of cherry tomatoes. Yeah. Or a cantaloupe. Yeah. Or a bunch of bananas. Okay. Or, We're talking produce here. Yeah, let's just say produce. Okay. But I, I also thought, I, I don't want people to think that everything's healthy all the time in this example. So I'll say chips. Okay. Bag of chips. Okay. I bring them home from the store on Saturday. Yeah. By, like, Sunday night, uh-huh. it, whatever it is, yeah. it's been eaten. Right. They love it. Yeah. They need to eat it. Yeah. All gone. Yeah. I got nothing left for the rest of the week right. to parse out right. of this thing they like. Yeah. So the next time I go to the grocery store, I get multiple of these. I get two bunches of bananas. Right. Or got it. two things of. Right. right. And then no one eats them, mm-hmm. and like at all, yeah. and they just rot, yeah, and go bad, yeah. And this is I've had this experience. This is yeah. It happens every single time, weird. and I feel like I'm in a weird place where gravity doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Is it like <laughs> scarcity psychology? Like if they Maybe. see there's only a few, yeah. they're into it. Yeah. But if there's a lot, they're just like, eh, that'll always be there. I don't need that. I think it's more on the line of, for me, I've done a really good job grocery shopping. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. I have to spend the rest of my week going back every day to pick something up yeah, if that. we don't have it. Yes. Right? Like yes. Because then I really am out of snacks. So if yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. I ate them all. Yeah. Yeah. That's science. Yeah. Science. Mysteries of science. Mysteries of or mysteries of like the Great Pyramid. Yeah. How do I get the right amount of supplies and food in my house? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of doling out food, (laughs) I think that ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today, which is feeling like a human vending machine. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. A couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. you sent me... Little little text uh-huh. says topic idea. Okay. And it just says, I'm so sick of being the giver and taker away of all good things. Now, I could just stop there. Mm-hmm. That statement alone is enough right there. Like, I felt the weight of a million, you know, marbles mm-hmm. all over me, <laughs> yeah. like, rain down when I read that line. Because... That is a feeling that I feel. This, you're constantly getting asked for things. Yep. You're constantly trying to balance, is this a time I give or is this a time I don't give? Yes. And not giving does feel like 
take a thing away. Yep. Because for kids, they just know if I ask for it, I, I should, might get it. I might get it. I may or may not. It's they're yeah. like the best gamblers yeah. in that yes. we're just gonna keep betting yeah. everything yeah. because eventually I might yeah. win. And I don't know if it I'd like to say it's age related mm. because Ellis is in the like Katie Bell came home from a birthday party with a shitty boomerang, you know, mm-hmm. plastic piece of garbage. She's like, yeah. I got a boomerang. I want a boomerang. Like, I want a boomerang. I want a boomerang. I want a boomerang. I want a boomerang. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. But it's not because uh, Katie Bell also is like, can I watch another thing? Can I stay up a little later? Can I have this? Can I do this? Can I have another one of these? Can I have another one of these? Can I eat some more of this? Can I have another Can I watch another thing? Can you? Right. Can I download this app on my? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really all we need to talk about. How's that? I do want to actually explore how it makes us feel because yeah. I, you talked about feeling like a vending machine. Yes. And there, I, I do think that's true. And I almost think there's two things happening. One, there is just that sensation of not being a person and like, I give. Yeah. I say no. Yeah. I say yes. Yeah. I say no. Yeah. But then there's also like, I know that for me, one of the things I wrestle with a lot is, am I setting boundaries at all? Uh-huh. What's happening? Yeah. What's happening? And then you throw in tired travel or any other weird thing. And like everything you thought you were going to do, I feel like goes out the window. Right. So then there's also guilt because for me, I feel forced into making these quick decisions. I don't feel I'm given time to make a decision. And the the decisions keep coming. So like I keep having to make a quick decision. (laughs) Yes. And I don't stand behind most of those decisions. Mm. They're just a quick decision that I I try to figure out in the moment. Does this make sense to do Yeah. or not? And some of the time I'm like, well, I could have just said yes to that and it would have been fine. Or sometimes I say yes to something impulsively. And then I'm like, why the fuck did I say say yes yes to that? That wasn't a good thing to say. You know, and and all of that is going on inside my brain. It's only... It's very rare that some decision that I made will be so off track that later I will go back to my kids and say, I know I said this, but I was actually wrong and I'm sorry, but it's actually this. Like that very rarely happens. Most of the time I'm just suffering those consequences and those questions inside my own head for like hours to come after that decision. Meanwhile, I'm continuing to be asked. Yes. To make these decisions over and over. So it's a combination of like, I'm so tired. It's a little bit of like the president of everything. Right. Where like, I'm so tired of being the boss of this. Like, yes. just fuck <laughs> off and decide for yourself what you want right. to do. Like, I don't want to be in charge of this anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be responsible for all these things anymore. Right. And it's also the guilt of feeling like I set this up for myself somehow. Yeah. Like, like, I am the one, like, I did it. Yeah, how did this happen? I did this in a variety of ways. By right. the way we run our family. By the fact that my kids know that money is sometimes available, but it's not theirs. Like, sometimes they have allowance and sometimes they don't. And right. sometimes they can use it for this and sometimes they can't. And there's all these things that I control about yeah. their lives that, like, Maybe to me, the reason I'm doing that way is because it feels appropriate to give them only that much like leeway in their own lives, only that much power to make their own decisions and make their own mistakes. But everything else is mine. 
to be in charge of. Yeah. I don't want to, like, sometimes I just want to break from that. And, like, the, it's the same with, like, we had this moment with Gracie the other day where, she, like, it wasn't even that she was asking me for something. It was, like, she was asking for clarification about a rule. Like, she, she will mm. often ask, like, how old do I have to be before I can do X, Y, or Z? Right. And it was something, like, really specific <laughs> and, like, totally <laughs> random and that I had not thought about before. Right. And I this comes up regularly where I just had to say to her, like, I don't have, like, a preset list of rules in my head for your life. Yeah. Like, I don't... Give me a second to, like, think that one through. <laughs> it might take me a few days. Yeah. I might not even know next week. Sorry. Yeah. I don't, like, have this, like... I know. ...rule book in my brain that I can just refer to. <laughs> like, and she kind of looked at me like, oh, that's okay. weird. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I think you're supposed to. Lots to touch on there because I think there's the inundation that never stops. Yes. The constant, you know, the yes or noer, right? Which is, it's just like another version or another layer to the not getting a chance to think Mm -hmm. because you're constantly being interrupted. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Now, I really kind of want to get into the how did we set this up? Uh-huh. Because I wrestle with that. Because that's like the first place I go to yeah. is yeah. what did I do? What did I do? To set yeah. this up. Yeah. Should I have been stricter our whole lives? Should yeah. I have been, should I have said no to everything? Yeah. Should I have, I, I all yeah. of it. You or know, let them be more free range. Like, let them just have their money and decide. Decide, right? Or but, have their uh, computer and decide themselves. They like, can't, I know. But they can't. Well, I mean, yeah. they can, but they can't. I know. At a certain age, they can. Right. At a certain age, they cannot. Right. My five year old cannot. Yeah. There are some decisions. He can't manage his own he money. He can make. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, right. he's just hoarding it yeah. right now. Right. But, like, there are some decisions he can make. Yeah. And I, I really try and focus on those. Yes. For building, yes. right? Yeah. Same with Katie Bell. You know, she's nine. There are definitely things that like, because this also kind of plays out in the, she's sitting on the couch. Can I have some grapes? Right. Can I have a snack? Yeah. Right? And I think sometimes I'm like halfway through getting it. Yeah. And I'm like. And you're like, what, what yeah. the fuck? Why am I doing this? Why right am now? I yeah. doing this? I know. Right? But that plays into that yes, no. Yeah. Right? Where I'm like, you have to get it yourself. Right? Yeah. And then. But she's at an age where she says, I want such and such. Uh-huh. And I, I can say to her, well, that sounds nice. Yeah. What will you do to get that? To get that. Yeah. How are you going to get that? Yeah. Because it won't be coming from me. Yeah. Right? Well, Ellis, how are you going to get that? He doesn't quite connect yet that it's not coming from me. Yeah. Because all of his allowance came from me, too, as right. far as he understands right. it. I am both the doler of money and the things. Yes. And ugh. so like, yes. And then I'm like, I've given them too much love. I should have been like, because I feel like I do do some of the free range. You can have your own choices and yeah, you can yeah. do this. Yeah. But some of that I feel leads into the right. assumption I can have whatever I want, whenever I want it. Yeah. Because you... Because that leads into the, you let me do it You let me once, do this. Yeah. So why can't yes. I do this? Yeah. And I want to circle back to the, the like, if, if you tell them, I need some time to think about that. Yeah. 
to my children, and I'm sure this is somehow my fault, that usually means, it's like saying maybe. Right. Maybe is a yes. I know what you mean. Maybe is a yes. Yes, I know. Maybe was a yes for me growing up. Maybe is a, because. I know. Maybe hardly ever turns out to be no. Right. And I feel like it's leftover parenting techniques from like babies and toddlers with the distraction. They want something. So you distract with something else. Yeah. So I'm still distracting with that. So even when I say no on certain things, there's a distraction with something else. Well, we're going to be able to do this. Right. Right. So. I'm right. constantly reinforcing that something that good is they, going to right. happen. Right. They asked for something. So, and you're not just going to say no. You're I saying know. no, but blah, blah, blah. So it's like reassur- they're reassured in some way. Yeah. That's, in yeah. The end by asking for something, somehow they they always get some kind of yes. And even I if it's want not the them yes to, yeah. I want them to understand disappoint, crushing disappointment. Yeah. Right. Like that's yeah. a good, healthy thing. Yeah. And, the guilt that I feel is maybe I'm not, maybe I haven't been doing that at all. Uh-huh. Right? Like, yeah. with the yes, no, yes, no, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Also, I want them to stop asking. And yeah. I don't think that's possible. Yeah. Like, developmentally. I don't think it would make sense for them to stop asking. Right? Yeah, because what they're doing is very smart. They're yes. being, it's like... It is. They're just chipping away. It's the yeah. It's like I'm just gonna keep pressing this button yeah. until the drink falls down out of the vending machine. <laughs> like I'm, just, you know, it's no. just like, yeah. I don't know. How do we survive this? How do we be a better vending machine? Is there an answer to this question that I'm asking? Because I think about like, all right, yeah, they're gonna always push, yeah. and besides doing something. Horrible, yeah. As a counteraction to their yeah. pushing, yeah. Which is also not my parenting style, right? Yeah. Like, how do I serve? I mean, is, are you doing anything besides texting me and <laughs> crying in the car? I'm the crier in the car, but like, uh-huh. I mean, no. I think that. I mean, one thing I do is I definitely am okay with them being upset and, like, having a meltdown about something that they want. And, like, that I do. So I guess that that is, like, getting the work done. And, and, like, not being afraid that that will happen is something. But I think the big thing that, that, like, I need to find a way to do is to actually separate myself in the way I think of myself in these situations, which is Mm. I am thinking of myself as the provider, the taker away, the the giver and the taker away. And and if instead when they ask for something, I can make myself somehow slightly adjacent to that and just ask with them, like you were saying with Katie, how will you do that? What will you do to get that? And to kind of, like, just emotionally separate myself from... Because this has been so built up now that when it happens, I'm immediately going to that icky place. Right. Which isn't really necessary. It could just be an objective, can I have this thing? And if I'm not... If I'm not getting upset about that, and I'm just actually listening to the question, and then I'm thinking... Right. What is appropriate... Like, yeah, in this situation, that's like it's a slight separation. It's a slight removal. Oh, that could work. <laughs> <laughs> it could. I think that 
is, uh, I think actually that does make a lot of sense. I just hate the sound of my son's screaming. Yeah, I understand. And and here's the thing. And I, I say that not because I give in to anything that Ellis wants. It's just, I mean, like, he has like this, just this level and this instant like, like yeah. it's so I, I hate it so much yeah. but in thinking about that maybe my separation should include things like i'm teaching him how because i've seen some of the like he doesn't react like it every as much as he did yeah with when things are disappointing yeah so we just need to keep exercising that muscle yes and i need to save up enough money to go to the earplug vending machine <laughs> yeah Hit C1, get myself some sort of emotional earplugs. (laughs) One Bad Mother is supported in part by Michelin. Tires! (laughs) Tires! <laughs> we need those guys to get around. We've all been there. You're driving down the road. Your kids are finally asleep in the back seat. You're thinking about something fun just for you. <laughs> and then suddenly another car swerves in front of you. Jackass! You slam on your brakes, and for a split second, you're terrified if you'll stop on time. You want good tires! You really need them. Because stopping safely and consistently matters. So Michelin builds their tires to perform across every diaper run, pickup, drop-off, and road trip. Next time, when you're looking for new tires for the family car, consider Michelin Premier all-season tires. Michelin. Performance every time. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. On this past week when all three kids were out of school and I was not enjoying myself, I took a (laughs) moment to call... And make a therapy appointment for myself for this week. And it was a good feeling. (laughs) It needed to happen. Everyone else, I was saying to Biz, everyone else in my family gets to go to therapy. (laughs) Why not me? Yeah. I haven't been in a while. um, And it's time to go back. So instead of just continuing to feel terrible, (laughs) I went and did something about it. So good job. Thank you. That is a very good job. Thanks. Three words. Hot dog summer. So, so 
One of the things that I've been working on in therapy is trying to find a thing that Stefan and I can do together like we used to do before children uh, that brought us great joy. And that was like planning activities. And so we decided that the children are old enough or maybe we are dead enough inside to tolerate their excitement or disappointment by having a movie night in the backyard every Saturday all summer long and play movies that we really like and have to do with summer. And we are two in, and it is some work. It's hot dog summer because we've somehow tied all movies to hot dogs. Great. But you can bring anything you want to put on the grill. And we just want to see people mm-hmm. and uh, watch movie in the backyard. And that's yeah. it. Super low-key. Yeah. Anyway. Good Hot job. dog summer. Yes. That we sounds are so doing awesome. things we like. Yeah. Good job. Once a week. So good. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Hello, Teresa and Biz. I'm leaving what I think is a genius. I've been sick for about a week now, and I'm the mother of two twin nine-month-olds. And it's bath time, and it's not my favorite thing to do, but I do it anyway because we mom up, right? And so I like to bathe the girls in the kitchen sink because it's deep, and I don't have to bend over, and it doesn't kill my back. And so I... Didn't do it there because everything is in the kitchen sink because I've been sick and haven't done dishes. So I put my daughter in the bathroom sink instead, and I am carefully rinsing her, trying not to get water all over the place, and then it just dawns on me. Why am I so worried about not making a mess with water? It's water. I can just clean it up with a towel. I'm the one who cleans it up anyway. Who am I inconveniencing, really? So I just thought I'd just might share that with you. Thank you guys so much for the show. Love you so much. Have a good one. Bye-bye. This is the genius yeah, of someone with very young twins in yes. their house. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just, again, I love all geniuses that happen in the first year to two years yes. of parenting. Yes. Because those are the ones where... Like, looking back later, you'd be like, duh. Yeah. But now you're like, it's the bathroom. I can get everything wet. Yes. And you're doing such a good job remembering that. I think it's also when you spend a lot of time worrying about being careful, like, especially, like, with babies. Babies, yeah. You're kind of just in that mindset all the time. (laughs) And there are these moments where you stop sometimes and you go, wait, who cares? Yes. And then you're like, this this one thing I'm yeah. doing right now, it doesn't matter if this spills or right. is put on backwards or is yeah. whatever. I li- you know, like I like to think of she says, she says, who is this going to yeah. uh, inconvenience? Inconvenience. Yeah. But I think we should flip that and instead say, who cares? Yeah. Who That's cares? really more of what yeah. this who is. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. You're doing a. I care. <laughs> you're yeah. doing a great job. Great job. Failures. You suck. Fail me, Teresa. We did some swim lessons the last couple weeks for Grace and Oscar, and they they were earning Pokemon cards at the end of the week for doing their best all week in swim lessons. (laughs) 
But then I noticed that like I had to get something for Curtis too because he's two and like he's he aware notices of if like the other kids get something and he doesn't get anything. So he's been really into Toy Story lately and he hasn't seen Toy Story 4 yet, but he notices all the Toy Story stuff everywhere. So we were picking out the Pokemon cards and near the Pokemon cards were like some Toy Story little like collectible, tiny like figures. And yeah. I was like, this is perfect because it's like small, it's cheap, whatever. Right. He, it goes with the, it's like the same level of something as Pokemon cards. He doesn't want Pokemon cards really. Right. So we get them home and we realize it's like, in a plastic shell like it's like literally supposed to be like a collectible like it's the tiny toy woody inside like a plastic clear plastic like yeah protective protective whatever thing and it's made that way and you're not supposed to get it open and he starts losing his mind because he wants to play with woody and he can't touch it and so, oh my God. yeah. And so, what I ended up doing was taking a hammer yes! outside. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Free Woody! <laughs> but, like, and the reason this isn't a genius no. is because, like, it's I know, it's sucked. a fail. Oh, it's a it, fail. First of all, danger. Yeah. Secondly, annoying. Yes. Took a lot more work to get that thing open. That you even had you to go think. and waste the time. Yeah. To, oh, I, got an, and, I, got, I got a hammer. And once it's out, yeah. it's not good to play with because it was never made to a be toy. played with. Yeah. So immediately the head came off. Because like the he- there's like almost no neck. Like the oh. the head is like it, they're just not meant to be played with, this. and they don't come off the stand because they're like the feet are part of the oh, stand. What? So the shell is gone. So now he can touch Woody, but he can't play. Like it's enjoy this Toy Story yes. toy. Yes, that is not a toy. That I ended up like secretly throwing away. Oh like, yeah, two you days did. later because yes, I was like, did. this isn't. Yeah. I could taped, it's gone. I'll post on the Instagram. I taped Woody's head on with clear tape, thinking Please. that would work. And you can still see that it's his head is like slightly detached because oh it's God. so small. It was like impossible for it's me. The greatest. Anyways, thing ever. yeah, I love that. Yep. Katie Bell went to sleepaway camp like mm-hmm. she has done the last three years. Uh-huh. And oh man, I this time I actually had a real duffel bag for her to use as nice. opposed to like a giant suitcase. Everything fit. She was involved in helping pack. We put things in like Ziploc bags so that just in case it rained, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, all right, here are all your shorts. Here's all that, right? And like everything's labeled. Like, ah, this is. Because every year she's like, I can't find anything. Right? So we've done an excellent job packing and going down the checklist and the whole nine yards. We, Stefan and I and Ellis, take Katie Bell to camp, get her there, help make her bed, help unpack a few things. And then she's like, get out. And we're Mm -hmm. like, okay. And we start to walk. We're out the door. And she suddenly comes back and says... Did you pack towels? And I just, I didn't even try to, oh, let's go back and look. I just said, I obviously did not pack towels for this week long. Even like last year when I gave her two towels, they both, I just had to throw them away because they were so moldy and disgusting. Because it rains at camp. So, and then you're using it for showers and you're using it for pool. Like towels are disgusting at camp. And she doesn't have a towel. And so 
we go, we have to go to like the get, like hopefully yeah. the camp store has some, but of course they're like, well, we have these weird little like super absorbent yeah, camp towels, like some sort of camp, weird camping towels. Yeah. yeah like I camping towels. Yeah. So like I didn't. Towels. And I was yeah. like, this is bullshit. Yeah. But I got some. Yeah. And then they were like, last year we sold towels. You know, Carol, do you have any towels still at your house? You know? Yeah. And then they did. And they were even like, do you want us to, like, monogram them? I was like, I guess. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Yeah. But they're going to bring the other two towels out the next day. Okay. Or later that day and give them to her. For her. Yeah. The bottom line yeah. is she has towels. Okay. Obviously, the fail is not remembering towels. And also, just another cut in which I bleed money. Right. Yeah. For, like. Lots more money than if than you I had need, just If I just towels. packed the god. Yeah. Darn it. Yes. Towels. Yes. Hi. So this is a fail. For the second time since having kids, I walked up to a car in the parking lot that I was sure was mine, opened the door, and then realized it was not my car. <laughs> and this time the person was right behind me and thought I was a crazy person for trying to get into their car. In my defense, they looked very, very similar, same model, same color, but yeah, this sort of goes along with the feeling that like I'm always just operating at 80% of the person I used to be and I just yeah I really don't know where my head is so that's it thanks you're doing a great job well your head is definitely not in that stranger's car I did this recently wow I, I got all the way in to the driver's seat and shut the door <laughs> and then looked around this was right outside Oscar's school at the end of the school year amazing and it was just another car that looks like mine parked near the yeah. school like on the same side of the street and I fully got all the way in nice. sat down and then it was the weirdest creepiest feeling yeah. in the world when I was like this isn't my car and I immediately got out <laughs> and slammed the door and I looked around and nobody was around <laughs> nobody saw me do it gonna walk and away. I just walked away you're doing a horrible weird job you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Panda. Are you interested in learning more about how children develop? Check out the Princeton and NYU Discoveries in Action Lab, or PANDA, a virtual lab where researchers hope to discover how kids learn about the world. PANDA offers quick and fun games for families with children ages 3 to 10. Participate from your home computer anytime, and as a thank you for contributing to science, you will earn a $10 Amazon gift card. So head to www.discoveriesinaction.org and sign up. To find out more, follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Discoveries in Action. One Bad Mother is brought to you in part by Casper. Casper's new hybrid mattresses combine the pressure relief of their award-winning foam with durable yet gentle springs. So added benefits of the hybrid collection, for example, are elevated lift support, increased airflow for cooling, durability for all body types, and enhanced edge support. That sounds amazing. We have a Casper mattress in our house, and we enjoy sleeping on it very much. 
it comes to your door in a giant box. You know what kids can do with boxes? A lot of stuff. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash badmother and using badmother at checkout. That's casper.com slash badmother and using badmother at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Teresa, let's call someone today. Today, we are calling Lisa Kenny, who is the executive director of Gender Spectrum, an organization whose mission is to create a gender-inclusive world that frees the potential in every child. Lisa is a featured speaker at conferences and a consultant on the changing understanding of gender and the implications that this has for parents and families, social institutions, and corporations. She co-authored with Stephanie Brill, The Transgender Teen, a handbook for parents and professionals supporting transgender and non-binary teens. And she was on our show in 2017, episode 188, and we are so excited to have her back. Welcome back, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for having me back. I appreciate it. That was a mouthful, Biz, and you got yourself through it really well. Thank you. Well, it's, I, I, it is an impressive mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think we just threw in some extra words or something just to see if they're, you know, to up the ante a little bit for you. So yeah. sorry about that. Oh, no, I love it. <laughs> more. More. Bring on more. Well, also, I want to say, Teresa, congratulations on your book. It's a wonderful book, and thank you so much for putting it out in the world. It's going to make a difference in the lives of lots of kids and and their families. So thank you for that. Congratulations. That's really exciting. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited. (laughs) I gave my mother two copies. And I said, (laughs) I said, here's why. I think everybody should give their mother two copies. Yeah, I gave her cool because, you know, mama was like asking about the book. She was like, oh, tell me about Teresa's book, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, why have I not just gotten you two copies? So I got the two copies and I give them to her and I said, this one's for you. And this one, you know, if you want to drop it off at the library. Yeah. Because she's in Alabama. And I was like, if you want to just drop this off at the library, there's an extra copy. <laughs> That's a great idea. You know, former lawyer went through that thing with a fine tooth comb and questions and like, oh, tell me about this. So is this and that? It was great. And thank you again to both of you. <laughs> um, before we get into what we are having you here to talk about today, I want to ask again, who lives in your house? Always fun to see if anything's changed or not. Well, I think the only thing that's changed since last time is the new dog, yes. but um, we have, uh, my partner and I have three kids between us. We have um, a, the youngest who just turned 16, oh. and then a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old, so Whoa. the kids are definitely at the older end of that, of the kids' spectrum in terms of those that are still sort of at home, <laughs> although they, I guess the age at home seems to be getting older and older, too, so maybe yeah. we're, we're actually not at the older end of that anymore. <laughs> All right. So when we had you back on episode 188, you helped guide us through some misconceptions as well as understanding more about gender identity, exploring language, and basically getting a general overall overview of some different issues and questions that we had surrounding children identifying as transgender. It was incredibly helpful. (laughs) (laughs) And... 
now we want to talk to you about your work helping schools to incorporate gender-inclusive materials into their existing puberty and health education curricula, if they even have that. And I it really... <laughs> yeah, that's its own issue. Right I know. Now. I really... I'm just going to... Everybody, you're welcome. I'm not about to derail in some of the absurd conversations that I have heard in different, like, town halls and board of education meetings about why they should do any of this. Anyway, instead, I will say, I will ask you a question. (laughs) Yes, it is incredibly important that schools teach puberty and health education. That, That, in particular, acknowledges gender diversity among the students. And as I just insinuated, a lot of schools aren't doing that. Can you talk to us about what that means? Like, why that's not a good thing and what the research tells us about this? Yeah, I mean, it really is a critically important thing that we provide kids with at least the basic information about what it means as their bodies begin to enter puberty and what that process looks like and and really reflect back to them that, you know, humans are incredibly diverse. There's not a single path to an adult body. There's many ways to get there, and that all of them are valid, and that the bodies are going to look different, and your process is going to be different, and it really is a very unique experience. And, you know, I think many parents assume the kids have this information, and if it's not provided in school that somehow they're getting it on the internet, and I'm just here to say that that really is not true. And the fact that we don't provide them with this information is really problematic, both because they don't see their own experience reflected, but they also don't really learn about the experience of other kids. Um, and, you know, whenever you bring up a topic like sex or puberty ed with adults, you know, you hear a lot of moans and groans and not, not any of the good kind, mostly the really bad kind. It's just this memory of how awkward and uncomfortable it was and, you know, oftentimes not great information that was given. But it doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, what we know in talking with educators that do this work is that kids really are interested that they don't get this information. And in fact, a lot of the stuff they're seeing on the Internet, they suspect may not be right, but they don't know what about it isn't right. And in sort of that old, you know, game that kids used to play called sort of telephone. And by the time that, you know, the message got to the end of the line, it was, you know, very different than what what it started out as. Those principles largely still apply that, you know, as word goes from one kid who doesn't really know that tells another kid who also doesn't know, and then it gets increasingly filtered, what kids end up hearing when we don't provide them with this information is what they really need to hear, which is there's tremendous, you know, diversity of experience that every kid's experience is valid and important. And we also know that kids that, that see themselves reflected in curricula and other things in school environments that they do better in school, um, that these things make a difference. And when they don't see themselves reflected, then they interpret that information as if there's something wrong with them. So it is really important, and it's important to include families. I think a lot of times people assume that, well, if we're going to include this information, that there are going to be families that uh, take exception to it. And while that's true in a very small number of cases, generally if we engage parents in the conversation 
um, with the schools, the parents want to be engaged, and the school has a different responsibility than parents do in terms of making sure that their kids learn this information. And so I think working together, hopefully we help kids understand uh, not only the information they need as they enter into adulthood, but also how to create healthy, nurturing relationships, and the families also know what's being discussed so that they can also add to that in terms of their own family values and the things that they care about and the uh, the messages they want to give their kids. So it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It really can be uh, that together we, we can sort of accomplish something Not... uh, that really helps kids learn about themselves and to become a more uh, healthy human. Not to insult all of your hard work, but that sounds remarkably simple. <laughs> And I don't mean like insulted. In fact, uh, I think it is remarkably simple. I mean, I I think what gets in the way is that people think it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, That it's going to be a high stakes game when, in fact, it really isn't. It's just providing kids with some really fundamental information about their about their bodies and their and and relationships, and um, and just make sure that they know the basics, and that mainly, I think we've tended to make it harder than it really is, and uh, it really shouldn't be something that we feel afraid of. I now, Not only that, but there's the, the, I love the telephone metaphor. This is one of the reasons that my oldest has, well, both kids, but we talk about sex and bodies and puberty and gender, all that stuff, early on, because I don't want her learning it from little Timmy who doesn't yeah. really know anything. We have a lot, a lot of times, right, exactly. a lot of times our kids exactly. come home from school and they say like, they say some fact that little Timmy has told them. And I, I actually know no child named little Timmy, but um, and <laughs> my husband and I are constantly yeah, like, it's, it's so like this. I mean, that's really the challenge, right? <laughs> Is that by not engaging in the conversation with kids, we're seeding the conversation to kids talking with kids. Yeah. Yeah. about it. And, and, and we know both from our experience as parents, <laughs> but also our experience as kids, a lot of that information just isn't correct. No. Um, oh, yeah, no. And we do want to make sure that kids have information that, that having it or not having it actually has really long-term consequences. I mean, I was talking to a colleague uh, that I used to work with a number of years ago, and one of the things that uh, that he said to me that really that really stood out at the time is he said, you know, he and his wife were trying to have a baby and they were really struggling and 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 having some fertility issues. And he said, you know, all I remember as a kid was hearing the second we thought about having sex that uh, a pregnancy was going to ensue. Yep. And he said, it didn't, you know, so all of our energy was in avoiding pregnancy when we didn't want it, which is an important thing to provide kids with information about (laughs) how to do that. But he said, but it never occurred to us that it wasn't going to happen as soon as we wanted it to. And so when we got to this position, we just immediately went into, there's something wrong with us. Mm. You know, we're inadequate humans because this thing that apparently everybody else uh, can do without even hardly thinking about it, um, somehow we're not able to do. And then when options came up about, well, you know, there's many ways to create families, they were sort of left with this sense of like, well, but really there is only one way and everything else is just a poor substitute (laughs) because they hadn't been brought uh, up from as a child with the notion that, in fact, 
this is just a regular part of the human yeah. experience, and um, and there is tremendous diversity in in how people sort of navigate these issues. And uh, you know, if we don't if we don't tell kids when they're young, we're also you know most most adults don't find themselves in much better shape when in fact they need to make healthy um, decisions around partnering and relationships and romance and sex and family building and all the kinds of issues that many of us uh, choose to to bring into our lives at various points, um, both in adolescence and, and thereafter. Well, <laughs> truer words, truer words. Anyway, again, it just sounds like when you say it, I'm like, well, no shit. <laughs> But let's, but let's talk I about... I'm going to write another book, and, and I want you to write on the jacket, yeah. and I'd like that to be the quote. Oh, can I there. please blurb <laughs> your book? No shit. Because we all make it a lot harder than it seems to be, but I think something as succinct as no shit no would shit. be really good to any jacket cover. Uh, oh, that would tick a box. Okay, for me. Anyway. Um, all right. For both of us. <laughs> Let's get into what the work that Gender Spectrum is doing around this. Gender Spectrum created an educational resource for teachers that they can use to incorporate gender-inclusive materials into their current curriculum. Can you talk about what the process of creating a document like this was, who you collaborated with? I mean, like, it's... That's also got to feel like a, you know, a lot of pressure to get that kind of right. <laughs> There are a number of things that were going on around the same time. Uh, we've been thinking about this for quite some time because it came up a lot, both in our work with parents, particularly parents of, of trans and non-binary um, identified youth, because many of those kids are left out of the conversation altogether. Um, and also with many educators who are saying, gee, we're doing these kinds of things around puberty ed right now, but we know we're, we're probably not being gender inclusive in a way that we ought to be, and can you look at what we're doing and advise us about how to do that differently? So we had been thinking about this, and around that same time, there was a paper published by uh, a group of folks in the sort of puberty and sex ed space or youth-serving professionals, Advocates for Youth, Answer, which, is a, which focuses on sex ed, uh, GLSEN, which looks at, uh, of course, serving the needs of LGBTQ youth, uh, HRC, Planned Parenthood, and SICUS. And those organizations all published a, a, a paper that looked at why it's critically important for LGBTQ kids, both those from a sexual orientation and gender identity perspective, uh, to receive more inclusive puberty and sex ed. And so that, it was a great paper for us um, to just be reminded, you know what, we really need to get on this and to do this um, get this gender inclusion piece right. And while we don't really deal with sexuality, particularly in our organization, except as it relates to gender, we absolutely care very much about creating a more gender inclusive world. And not just for uh, trans and non-binary youth, but certainly particularly also for them, but really for all kids that are, that are affected by these constructions of gender, and especially in puberty ed, where we think about bodies in very gendered ways, and we talk about gender, sometimes inserting gender in the dialogue around puberty ed where it's not not only not needed, but actually is is misleading. And so we, we thought, okay, it's time for us to sit down and write this. We reached out to those organizations that I mentioned to say, hey, we, we'd love to involve you in this process. We'd love to get your feedback on it. Um, we did write it ourselves, but, so I want to make sure we're not impugning their names if, they're, <laughs> if they, if they uh, you know, disagree with any aspect of it. But we did reach out to a number of, of organizations, including them, 
and then we drafted it, and then we went and presented it for about two years in various ways to both educator conferences, some family conferences, and certainly youth-serving professionals of all sorts, including sex educators and puberty educators, to say, okay, is this making sense or is it not making sense, and what could we do? And we we refined it along the way, and then finally at the end of that process, uh, we felt pretty confident that we had it right and and could communicate it in a way that um, both parents but also primarily youth-serving uh, educators in puberty and sex ed could use this as a tool to not uh, not replace the curriculums they had, but as an adjunct to the curriculums that they already had, um, but to make those more gender-inclusive for every child in the rooms in which they're teaching. And so that was really, you know, it was the right impetus for us to to get this thing written that we've been thinking about and talking about and doing some work with educators on for a number of years and finally thought we'd get our act together and get it written out so that uh, we could put it out there. Can you walk us through the five principles of gender-inclusive puberty education? And, sure. You know, yeah, hit some of the highlights for us to be thinking about. Absolutely. I, and so I'll name all five and a couple yeah. of them I've referred to, but I'll just hit them really quickly. Sure. The first principle is to provide a foundation of gender literacy. And this comes back to what we were talking about a second ago, which is we assume that kids have this information and what we know from our work is that they don't. And so it's really important the basics around gender, that gender is more than the sex that they were assigned when they were born, but includes other dimensions as as well. Um, Bodies are also gendered, so it's important that they see that because that's a big part of puberty. You know, well, what happens is they think in their head they have this this sort of visual related to being a boy or a girl, if they identify as either one of those, of what it means to have that kind of body. And, in fact, we know that, that there are many ways to have those bodies, but also that not everybody identifies um, within that binary. And so just understanding that it's more than just the sex that they assign, but bodies are also gender, but there's also gender identity and gender expression and social emotions about gender that affect them. And just providing that basic gender literacy is really important. I think the second principle that's worth mentioning is to distinguish patterns from rules. So we tend to talk about bodies in ways that if you think about it quickly, and most of us were taught that, oh, here there are two kinds of bodies, right? And then we, we say, here are the boys' bodies and girls' bodies, in fact, usually separate or often separate the conversation into these two groups. And there's a lot of reasons not to do that, and we do talk about that in a section in the document called to separate or not to separate, um, which I think is an important thing to talk about, which I won't get into because it's not one of the principles. But <laughs> distinguishing patterns from rules really sort of says, well, many bodies – um, that look like this have these characteristics, that's not always true. And we know that not only for folks that have intersex traits, for example, so not even sex is binary in the way that we think about it, but of course once you even go beyond sort of physiology, there are many other ways in which bodies vary tremendously. And so distinguishing patterns from rules is really important. And kids really get it. In fact, they love thinking about that way, uh, thinking about it in that way. And so um, it's it doesn't actually cause confusion, which some adults think is true. In fact, it really actually helps them understand uh, the patterns better by, by understanding where to be exceptions to those rules. The third principle is emphasizing physiology rather than gender. So, again, typically um, puberty ed is taught where, oh, here are boys' bodies and girls' bodies, and the gendering of bodies is really less accurate than sort of saying 
bodies by certain characteristics. So, for example, we know one educator that is quoted there and many others that do this where they say, you know, so for kids that have penises and testicles, here's your situation. For Mm. kids that have vulvas, here's your situation. And in fact, then, regardless of that gender identity... Kids are listening about the body that they have. And that's really important because when we gender bodies and we, and we assign characteristics by gender, kids who don't fit that gender then disconnect from the conversation, even though we want every kid to think about the body they have and what's the self-care that's needed for that body. And this becomes a really serious issue around health, especially as kids get into adulthood and maybe don't get the right care for their body because, in fact, because of the ways that we've gendered the physiology in ways that are actually not accurate. The fourth principle is that there's many pathways to adult bodies, so there's a lot of variation in terms of, you know, kids tend to think, oh, I have too much of this, or I don't have enough of this, or, you know, I'm somehow getting it wrong, and addressing that and acknowledging that there's many, many, many ways to an adult body, And, and the timing of that adult body, right? Everyone thinks they're either it's too soon or they were too late to the party or there's something going on and they're, they're doing it wrong. So describing the many pathways is important. And then the last principle is describing many pathways to family. So again, there, you know, when we think about all of the constructions of family that we all know and experience in our everyday lives, really that is never taught for the most part in puberty and sex ed. We really talk about uh, very specific forms of procreation as being the only way uh, to create a family. And in fact, we know that there's many, uh, you know, not only including blended families and foster families and adoption, uh, but and surrogacy and a lot of other fertility options. There are many ways to create a family in which, and many of these um, kids, when they're adults, will find themselves in these families. So important to acknowledge that uh, not only because they'll create those families, but that because many of them are in those families today and we want their families to be reflected and valued as much of a family as anybody else's family. So those are the five key principles and um, it really is an essential aspect for every kid to get the information that allows them to grow into a, a, a healthy adulthood. Again, some of it is so simple, this idea of like taking certain parts of language away really allows us to focus on the physical changes that bodies are going through during puberty. I, it, it, again, it's when you hear it, you're like, oh, that makes total sense <laughs> as opposed to, but I mean, I think about how hard a process it is to get there. And, and I just, I have to say, A, I love you very much. Uh, Thank you. B, That's reciprocal. Yeah, B, I think that, Gender Spectrum is doing such amazing work and, you know, providing this resource uh, for educators and for parents and for very motivated and interested kids. <laughs> like, That's right. Them too. Yeah, they, they get to look some stuff up. They're on the internet all the time anyway. Uh, That's right. Like, I just, it's so helpful and it's so good. And, you know, thank you for for doing that. And I I just want to say we're going to link everybody up to Gender Spectrum's website and all of the resources, including this resource. Thank you so much for for your work. (laughs) 
Well, thank you. And I really thank you so much for, you know, helping us get the word out for the great work you do for parents um, every week in your podcast. And thanks again for having me on and and letting me talk about this particular topic. I I really appreciate it. I have a very strong feeling we'll be having you on again. (laughs) I welcome that. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Bye-bye. If you like your podcast to be focused and well-researched and your podcast host to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Yeah, and what's your deal? (laughs) I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talking about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I love Lisa. Da, 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 da. God! Yeah. Thank I'm, God for gender spectrum. I bet for real. Yeah, I know. Isn't it funny that inclusivity yeah. falls to just talking about our bodies yeah. as physical bodies. Yeah. Not labeling yeah. those. But I love it. Yes. Speaking of other things I love and labeling things, <laughs> let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, Biz and Teresa. This is a rant. And Teresa, I know you love your sound machine, <laughs> but this is a sound machine rant. My two kids share a room, and they are napping, and they are both napping in bed with me with the sound machine on. Sounds great, except I am 38 weeks pregnant, and I feel like I am going to be my pants every second of this moment that I am napping with them. And I can't help but think, I mean, I know anatomically this isn't quite correct, but I have to think that this third baby that's in my belly is, like, getting squished by my enormous bladder, and that all I hear is, like, this raining, rain, rain, rain. And I know that it doesn't really make sense that a baby would be squished by my bladder because the bladder is probably the same size. I mean, I don't know. But then I keep thinking, if I move and try to get up, one of these kids will awaken. And is this what is going to happen with this third kid? Like, is this third kid always going to get the shaft? Is she always going to be like, squish my my bladder or left somewhere? And I just really want to do a good job with this new baby and the two other kids. 
and for all of them. And I love the sound machine, but I also think it's going to make me pee my pants. Okay, I guess that's the end of my rant. Thanks for listening, and thanks for the show. (laughs) Okay. I know no advice, but just get the fan one. (laughs) You need the fan one, not water. Not one with water. Use the one with the fan sound. There's it's very dry sounding. There's nothing I like to feel as dry as possible. Oh my gosh, there's a lot here. There's a lot there's here. A lot I'm gonna just say right away, yeah, that suffering through not being able to pee, yeah, and how uncomfortable that makes your yeah. baby, which it doesn't. Yeah, it science. <laughs> Is not going to, like, it's not going to roll downhill to leaving your child somewhere. To leaving somewhere. her somewhere. <laughs> it's not yeah. home alone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's not a slippery slope no. that exists. Right. I can see how that might feel that way. I definitely have mm-hmm. probably gone through similar yeah. lines of thinking. Yeah. But I can rest assured, yeah. take that one off your plate. I think what it is, is you are putting yourself last and that will continue. Yeah, that's because, a slope. Yeah, that's a oil slick <laughs> slope straight down. Will uh, you continue to suffer so that your kids will stay asleep in the future yes. after this baby is born? Yes, probably. Absolutely. That's the title of our next book. Will you continue to suffer? <laughs> yes. Also, this is another, this is a great example of the. I want to share my thing, my experience, uh-huh. but I have to also like pre-apologize or clarify yeah. that you might also like, you might like something like yes. the whole like, Teresa, I know you Teresa, love this yeah. yeah. but I fucking but can't fuck stand it. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, I would like to say that Teresa yeah. listened and she didn't make a stink face no. or, and she wasn't like super upset and I don't say this to you yeah lovely caller I say this to all of us yeah it's okay to not like things yeah or to do things the way other people do (laughs) and if you're the person listening to your friend you don't have to take it personally (laughs) because I just I never thought about the noise machine making you have to pee and that yeah but that sounds really annoying it does yeah it does and to be trapped because you're scared if you get up the children are gonna wake up and that is worse than peeing yourself yes it's like going like waiting for concert tickets overnight or something where you gotta figure out what you're gonna do and not get out of line right Pee in a cup or whatever it is yeah. that you do. Yeah. Put you on can, your icon undies. Yep, you can. You put on your icon undies. <laughs> you can do that. Yeah, until for the rest of your life. <laughs> You're doing such a good job. Yeah, you are. You're you doing, really are. I love you. Yeah, Teresa. Yes. What did we learn today? I will tell you what I learned. But I never want to leave this booth ever again. <laughs> This is the only place that feels sane to me. We learned we're coming to Boston. Yeah. And to go to OneBadMotherPodcast.com and click on live shows right now and get your tickets. That is going to be a good time. It's going to be so fun. That is going to be a good time. Yeah. I am very excited about Boston. We did learn that there is yet another constant that we are being pelted with 
on a minute-by-minute minute basis, and that is uh, being asked for the things mm-hmm. and all the feelings that brings up for us mm-hmm. and how that triggers sometimes responses that we wouldn't make if we weren't constantly being poked. Yep. Here's a million dollars! Here's your own credit card, kids. Goodbye. Don't do that. Again, we've proven that parenting is easy. Um, Also, that, you know, language is important. And our kids need real facts, guys. They need the facts. It's a good thing to give them the facts. You would tell your kids about like a natural disaster potential happening, like what to do in the case of, you know, a tornado or an earthquake or whatever. We tell them how to identify farm animals, though they may never step on a farm ever in their entire lives, right? We teach them not to walk into the street, all these things. Why would we not want them to know everything they need to know about their body and that things are normal and that mm-hmm. everybody's different? Gaga! Yep. So that's always fun to learn. And not only is Gender Spectrum a wonderful resource, but I will shout out again that Teresa's new children's book, It Feels Good to Be Yourself, is out and it feels good to read and it feels good to share. So, Oh, thanks, Biz. And coincidentally, I am... Donating all my proceeds from the book to Gender Spectrum because of the wonderful work that they do. So if you haven't yet bought my book and you appreciate the work that Gender Spectrum is doing and you want to have more conversations in your family or in your community around gender, you can check it out. It Feels Good to Be Yourself, a book about gender identity, and it's available wherever you buy a book. Yay! Get one for your library. Guys, it's so nice to be back. It really is. It really is. I have 10,000 more things to say, so let's come back next week. (laughs) Cancel all guests. (laughs) This show's about to get weird. Everybody, middle of summer, nothing is the same. You cannot rely on anything to be constant. It's so much work. So, you know, try to be nice to yourself. Yep. If you even have the time for that, it's such a bullshit. Fucking bullshit. At least psychologically yeah. be yeah. nice to yourself. That's right. Hide in the bathroom yeah. all summer long. That's the name of my summer movie. Hiding in the bathroom all summer long. Try to be nice to others because it's summer where they are too. <laughs> in Target. You're all doing a really good job. Teresa, you are doing a very good job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. Thank you. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. 
To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.